Hey, everybody. Thank you for checking out the Broke Down Podcast. My name is Jonathan. I am your host, and this is episode number 74. I've got a pair of great guests for you today. Anne and David from Trummers spoke with me recently, and we had a good time, I think. Uh, first, I'd like to remind you that the Broke Down Podcast is a member of Osiris. Osiris Media is on a mission to connect you with the music and culture that you love via podcasts and videos and whatever else might help you deepen your connection to those artists and experiences that enrich your life. There is so much great stuff coming from Osiris these days, from all the founding podcasts like this one to new ones like Festival Circuit New Orleans, which I've spoken about in the past episodes. Tom Marshall's Under the Scales has a new premium subscription mode with cool bonuses, new episode featuring Vance Powell, killer merchandise, previous Broke Down podcast Daryl Norson, who, since I spoke with him, has had official Grateful Dead and Fish merch released. He's designed two great shirts from Osiris that you can order now and check those out along with everything else that Osiris Media has to offer at OsirisPod.com. Okay, so we just celebrated Jerry Garcia's 78th birthday. In a few days, what I've always called Jerry Week, but the official powers that be now call the Days Between, which is pretty good branding, uh, that will wrap up as we mark 25 years since his passing. We're not here to dwell on that, though. If you are a regular listener, you already know that every episode of this show celebrates the work of Jerry Garcia and his work with the Grateful Dead and beyond. I and many of my guests, and I suspect most of you out there, owe some degree of debt of gratitude to this man and his bands. So today, with this episode, as with every day and every Broke Down Pod episode, I want to offer my thanks to the universe that my existence coincided with that of this man, this band, and this music. Maybe you would too. I hope you are all well out there, staying safe and being smart, taking care of yourselves and your community. We all need to be there for one another, do the right things to help each other get through these times, wear your masks, stay home, listen to extremely long dark stars, hydrate, tell people that you love them. Okay. Let's get back on track. Um... Trummers is a band that encompasses Ann Cunningham and David Lerner. They surround themselves with great players and make terrific records that have evolved from northeastern folk spaces to southwestern dusty landscape art. Uh, the common elements are their voices, David's guitar, Ann's harmonium, and their penchant for tapping the right set of sympathetic players to shape each record. The latest is entitled Dropout City, and it's due out on August 21st. You can find it at Bandcamp by going to trummers.bandcamp.com. That's spelled T-R-U-M-M-O-R-S. I fell in love with their previous record, Headlands, some time ago. You can also find that on their Bandcamp. It's a gorgeous album. Highly recommend you check it out. Before we get into the interview, let me lay on you the usual rap about checking out my Twitter and my Instagram, at BrokedownPod. Also, the blog has show notes with links to all the things and track listings for the music. I did mention there'll be music, right? Yeah, so stay tuned after the interview. If you want spoilers or you want to go back and look later, you can hit up brokedownpodcast.blogspot.com. Okay, so here's my chat with Anne and Dave of Trummers. So first, I want to thank you guys for taking the time to talk to me. I, I have been listening to Headlands for a while, and I love it. I love it. Um, this, the record just really talks right to one of the many vibes that I really like to hang with. So, 
uh, I, and with the new record coming out, I thought this would be a good opportunity. One of the first things I need to ask you, though, is how do you pronounce your band name? We say Trummers, but okay. um, a lot of people say Trummers. And I think because it's a Swedish word, I think that might be the correct pronunciation. Really. Yeah, other than the like the Swedish, you know. Yeah, Trummers, Trummers. But yeah, I don't know. That's we, sort we kind of, of embarrassing. It. We have a, an unpronounceable band name. <laughs> I, I've always called it drummers, so I'm actually feeling very reassured here. Okay, great. Yeah, drummers <laughs> is how we've always referred to it. But Cool. Um, and I, I probably will have said it before when I intro this whole thing, but the new album uh, comes out in mid-August. I don't know, remember the date. I didn't write it down. Uh, it's called Dropout City. Um, and I'll give everybody the Bandcamp link, but uh, it's pretty cool. I'm really digging the singles, uh, the two songs that you've already released from it, and uh, they're great. And oh, thank you. Really, thank you. Uh, nice uh, next step from the previous record. I I'll tell you, though, I'd like to kind of look back before we move forward, so if that's cool. Um, mm -hmm. I've done a little bit of very poor research, so I'm going to ask you some, I hope you'll indulge, some kind of mm -hmm. obvious questions as we get to know, get to know you guys um, yeah, and sure. share who you are with the audience. And so from that limited research, Dave, I understand you're from Jersey, um, and where, where are you from? Well, I uh, grew up like as a military brat, um, so all over, like um, anywhere from like Montgomery, Alabama to Washington, D.C., but Dave and I met in Brooklyn when I had pretty much, you know, made, found like New York City to be the best city for me at that time, and, and that's where we, we met each other. Cool. Yeah, I was a, a Navy brat, although probably the the most stable Navy brat of any of the guys I knew. Um, really? So. Yeah. Like we moved every two years. Like I I was born in New Orleans, and then by the time I was three, living in in Germany, and so it was a very um, uh, a lot of yeah. For sure. And my Very childhood. common. My father, I know, went to like half a dozen high schools, I think. So, uh, right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that could be tough. Uh, but so yeah. you actually jumped to my next question is that you guys met in Brooklyn. Dave, you had done some time with uh, Ted Leo. Uh, was that prior to or was it during that time when you guys were? That was prior. Like, yeah. I was, yeah. I was, I was touring with Ted from 2000 to 2007. And then um, kind of Anna and I started playing together shortly after that, not like immediately, but it took a, it took a few years for us to kind of um, find a sound. And um, so let, let's back up a little, a little bit again. And when did you start playing music? Well, I started playing with Dave, I guess we were living together in Greenpoint and he had been working on solo um, material, like just playing with an acoustic guitar. Um, and at this time too, he was playing with Orlean's Gun, um, which was um, Steve Gunn and Mark Orleans, who recently passed away. It was their main project, wow. but Dave was like, you know, really practicing with them. And he had quit 
uh, Ted Leo. So he was really just sort of like, you know, exploring other options that weren't like a full-time touring gig that didn't involve that. And he had written a lot of, of, of solo, like tons of songs that was solo material. And I guess it just really happened pretty organically that we, you know, I had a harmonium and acoustic guitar and we eventually just started playing, you know, covers together and then sort of kind of went into writing, you know, and, um, he kind of dragged me because at that time too, I was in graduate school and he sort of dragged me more into a musical direction that I had like put on hold for more or less for many years, you know? Yeah. I mean, and had, you have had previous bands before this, I don't know. Like care, college. Care yeah. to talk about them, but nineties stuff. some association with some things that are, you know, affiliated oh, with the elephant six scene loosely that's her her kind of background so okay cool i i, I gotta ask what were the covers what were the kinds of things you guys when you first played out like what, what were this or played together what were those songs that you were digging into in addition to the uh all of this depth of uh solo material you've been writing um like one of our first shows together was with Keegan, who played on the Crystal Salts. Did we play covers that night? I can't. We must have, but it was like he literally had a um, uh, what do you call it? He he made his own a, a washtub, a washtub base, and I at that time was playing drums on a suitcase and a snare, and not. Well, maybe I, I don't even know. I don't even think I did harmonium at that time. So it was really, really like very primitive other than Dave's like exquisite guitar playing. So kind of had a weird, one obscure cover that I remember that we did was this, it's a, it's a song called three cheers for the sad man. And it's by uh, this guy named Mark Radis or Radis. I'm not sure how it's pronounced, but he was like, I think 13 when he recorded it out the 45s and i heard that on a compilation we started playing that together so we i was bringing some obscure stuff but we also like to play like flying burrito brothers songs and stuff from sweetheart of the rodeo and some like bob dylan stuff yeah lots of so bob dylan. we had that common ground um you know some new riders and commander cody just your your basic bar band without a bar to play in kind of situation. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's, those dots sort of connect. So, um, yeah, in fact, I think they, I think they very much make some sense given the, the material that you guys have put out over the years now. Um, in the name of research, I went back and listened to the older records and kind of listened to, you know, the, the shape of your sound and the way it changed. And like the first one, uh, was that it, were you guys still in Brooklyn when you made the first record? We were still there, and when we uh, started writing it, but it wasn't until we we then we moved upstate in 2010, and that's when we actually start, began to like commit it to tape and take it way more seriously. Um, cool. We had played a few shows in Brooklyn, you know. Um, prior to that but yeah the first, record, the first record we recorded up in uh, Birdcliff in the 
in Woodstock at a kind of like good home studio of someone we met through, you know, mutual friends. So um, that one was mostly just Anne and I doing almost all of the instruments. And we just called actually Mark Orleans, who came up earlier, who's, you know, recently passed, uh, played dobro and a little bit of pedal steel. And there's one other accompanist, a guy named Chris Alum, who played in a band called Fear Itself and was kind of a local player, studio guy in the Woodstock area who did a little bit of pedal steel also. And other than that, it was just the two of us. And then uh, we finished it with a, a friend of ours named Justin Rice, who has a, a studio in Kingston, had a little pause and then just resumed and then mixed it there. So um, that record was pretty homegrown. We kind of just did almost all of it ourselves. And yeah, it was, you know, not like a book the studio for a session kind of day thing, which we started to get into by headlines. And I think that sort of improved our results, to be honest. The kind of quicker, quicker drive yeah, improved yeah, the just results? Kind of have, having to have everyone there and doing as much as possible, tracking live and- Yeah, just, more organized sessions yeah. rather than, oh, we are, you know, going- Not, not building it out and track by track. Yeah, well, as a, as a home recordist, I, I can see the appeal of having a rehearsed, maybe even rehearsed, but a prepared group of songs and players and just going in and doing it. Yeah. Whereas if you just kind of endlessly fiddle with it, now I'm describing myself. No, it just doesn't get there some days, you know? It's true, but I mean, I think that's a very, you know, um, kind of un universal process, right? If you can tinker with it, you will, you know? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. someday both approaches I'll... are valid. <laughs> I think so, and both both uh, have yielded great results over the years. I mean, so this record, that record, was called "Over and Around the Clove," and it was terrific. Um, and then I, I went right into Moorish Highway. And uh, you guys, do you do you believe in synchronicity? Yeah, I, I do a lot of my research, quote research. Um, which is mostly in, involves listening, but sometimes, you know, I'll Google people and I'll read other interviews or what have you. And uh, today, while I was listening to Moorish Highway, I was uh, I was kind of going back and forth between work on one computer and staring out the window, uh, listening. And also I had an interview, an older interview that you guys had done on my screen and on my, my, my own computer. And it's going back and forth and I know I was staring out the window and looking at the pattern of the dead grass on the hill across the street and like, uh, and, and, I, and, I, and the song pulled me back. And so I turned and looked at the computer from which the song was coming and I landed right in the middle of a paragraph and I started reading the words in the interview. And it was you, David, who in, was quoted saying, without commenting too, too directly on the lyrics, and I thought immediately, it's like, all right, good. I, I think it's important to leave lyrics to the ear. It's cool when sometimes when they're explained, but it's also, I think, even more cool when you just leave it to the listener. So I thought that kind of very quickly, and I continued reading, and you quoted the chorus from the song, just beholden to the beauty of the eye. And right as I read these words, they're coming out of the speakers. And it kind of floored me. And and I reread I re them. And of course, you repeat the lyric right there in the chorus. And I was like, oh, come on. Um, and so I, I had a really cool moment with that. Uh, <laughs> oh, that is so dope. 
Yeah. Oh, so a similar thing happened to me, like just not too long ago, I was reading some words in, on a page and someone who I was listening to playing a online set sang the exact same words. It's pretty weird. Hollywood and Vine were the words. <laughs> there you go. That's a nice thing, right? Yeah, it's great. And it, it deepens the connection, I think, at times. And so that was, of course, that's the song, the title cut, I guess, uh, from Moorish Highway, I think is where yeah. that, that line comes. Uh, really enjoyed that record. I want to say um, I really liked your take on Early Morning Rain. Um, yeah, I answered that. Did you guys be kicking that song around for a while or just, or was yeah. it at the contemporary, like you came across it? came upon it and like, you know, we should do this on this one. I think we had been playing yeah, it in our live set. Like a, a rotating sort of like list of songs that we enjoy just playing together. And at the time that was one of them. And I just had so much fun with it, with the harmonium arrangement. And so it just seemed like a natural thing to, to record that. And also like one of our things too, like every record, we want to make sure we include a cover because like, I just honestly feel like that's so lost in culture when it used to kind of be the norm, you know, obviously in the sixties and seventies with songwriters sharing their songs and even trying to outdo each other you know, and it's like um, just such a, a lost art to me in a lot of ways. I love it when bands do um, really good covers, you know, really astute and and uh, thoughtful ones. So, yeah. So that kind of started that um, tradition, I guess. although I guess with our previous record, I did Bobby Charles um, cover. So, but, but yeah. I, I think it's a, um, as a record collector, I find it's a useful hook at times. You know, you, right? you see something that maybe it has an interesting cover. You're not sure what it is. You flip it over and you're like, oh, they do that song. Okay. Put it on the right. stack. It's, it's a great hook. And I will say for this song, uh, I'm going to get some Grateful Dead content in here. They actually used to play it. They played it in yes. 1966. Yes. The, Warlocks, Barry, right? the Warlocks version. So I think the Warlocks yeah. version is one of my favorites of all time because it's like so out there. You know, um, they really jazzed it oh, up. Took liberties. They took liberties, <laughs> but it's great, you know. Um, yeah, so. We might have to play that for everybody after the interview. Good idea. Yeah, sure. yeah I think it was cool. Um, so again, in this one, it feels like the, and I think you alluded to it, it feels like the sound kind of, it feels more of a band sound. Are there more players on here? A little less, uh, yeah. not just you guys? Yeah. Going yeah, yeah. and a that's full band on most of the tracks. Like Otto Hauser, great, phenomenal drummer, and he plays on most of it. And then our good friend, Kevin Barker, joined us for the first time on this record. And so you really hear a lot of, of a just different, like, um, you know, guitar, lead guitar dynamic with Dave's playing and Kevin Barker and like they play so well together. And also then Mark Orleans adding in on the pedal steel. So 
we it was a a, a much bigger um, collection of, of players than our our first record for sure. There are a few tracks just us or that we've kind of built out in yeah. the studio. There's maybe a few, you like, know, yeah, a couple of spare like early morning rain, and then there's a couple of other acoustic tracks that didn't require a band. But uh, yeah, otherwise, I think most of that was tracked. I mean, a lot of it we had to go back over and kind of overdub some stuff. So it wasn't like, oh, we just got the takes, but we did have players helping for that. So yeah, to make yeah. it a bigger sound. Again, I think it pays off and then leads nicely to Headlands, which I mentioned, you know, it's the first yeah. it's the thing I heard from you guys that like, yeah, that record gets me. And it was uh, after I had it in my hand that I saw that it was uh, recorded by Jarvis at Thump Studios. I'm a big fan of Woods and yeah, his work. So, um, sure. okay. of course, you've got Dan Horn on there and all these people that that I'm a fan of seem to intersect with your work, which is kind of, <laughs> kind of great. Like it, 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 even more so on the new record. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, yeah. So you moved out west, right? You guys, and you guys are still out there, right? Yeah, Taos, is that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Did um, I think I can hear it. Uh, do you feel like that it impacted your sound and your writing? Oh yeah, changing that landscape so dramatically. Uh, absolutely, like a hundred percent. Especially for um, well, the new record. Um, you know, um, just our constant traveling from here to LA, and then really getting to know, like, you know, even just Route sixty six and 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 all of like the barren desert lands, and depending on which route. We would take and i just like we were so accustomed to the um east coast you know and um so yeah i think it definitely uh, is reflected in our writing um for especially dropout city you know yeah i can i can i i haven't heard that whole record but it's definitely it's peeking in in the songs that i've heard yeah, I think we, I think like just to add to what Anne said, I think yeah, like it's subconscious, I'm sure, but I think like I, I living out here sort of clued me into space in terms of like you can just let a part go really long or you just um, I don't know, just some cor correspondence between like openness of what you see every day and just like what you want to hear, what you want to make. I that's pretty vague, but um. I, I was less like uh, eager to fill up space and create songs that had lots of parts and changes. I just kind of wanted like flow for, and that's a lot of what we've been doing from the beginning yeah. is like just trying to um, imagine what the songs would sound like when we have the people who we want to play with all together and just sort of like creating these vehicles for people to play and maybe not so much of a, jam way but just in a like accentuating the arrangements and there's space for improvisation and soloing and stuff yeah, like always. that so like and that compositional goal. so yeah i think headlands we were pretty isolated out here and it was like yearning for that kind of uh, sound of people playing together and imagining what that would be like while looking at empty space <laughs> so <laughs> 
that we allowed for the space <laughs> of the dome when we could get players in a studio. But then that's, yeah. So Headlands, which we recorded with Jarvis, was done in these kind of intensive three-day sessions. I think it was done in a total of six days, maybe seven. But, you know, because we're not at a home studio. At that time, he was working, you know, in, at Thump and Greenpoint. And um, so, yeah. So that's how that, like, went. Yeah, we record. And there was, there was time between the two sessions. There were several months between the two sessions. We went back yeah. to New York to finish. And having doing it that way ended up really productive because... I got a feel for what it was like to work in Thump and what it sounded like when you have the headphones on and people are playing with you. And that influenced some of the arranged decisions and song styles that ended up being the second session. Like a song like Breezin or something like that was just like really a sketch. It wasn't really even a finished song until I took it, we took it. Um, the players for in during the second session and it, it really kind of like came together in a magical way mostly due to kevin who's so great yeah there's there is definitely a good bit of space in these songs i was thinking about i think that very word when i was listening to the record today uh like hollis tornado and and la river actually which is um it's in no rush which mm. is beautiful oh thank you thanks it takes the time to play out, which I think is good. I write wordy songs for because because I don't have to get in front of people to sing them probably. But um, <laughs> but when I do sit down to try to record them, I think about I kind of like well, let me get through this because nobody wants to sit here for ten minutes. Well, if it's any good, maybe they do. Yeah, um, the inspiration almost behind I I remember it like when we were recording it. Aside from what Dave was saying was like trying to allow this imaginary space and already even if it's words, but like um, the song, which he tie tie toe, how it uh, is so layered, it goes on and on and on, but each like verse or progression, I should say, cause it's kind of like just a roundabout progression but it just keeps building and building and building until it's like almost symphonic at the end, you know? And I mean, we haven't quite recorded a song exactly in that fashion, but just as you're saying, like, well, no, it can be this long. Just like, how do you throw on the right dynamic? You know, what is it calling for? Uh, you know? Right. Which is a, that, that is the art, isn't it? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So this new record, uh, Dropout City, we've kind of been touching on it as we go here. You've got um, some people who've been on a couple of the other records, Dan Horn, for example. But, yeah. uh, but you've got Grab Off uh, also on Pedal Steel. You've got Eric D. Johnson at Fruit Bats and Bonnie Light Horseman. You've got Cats from Apache, Beachwood Sparks. Um, Oh, I should mention the cover art is from Daryl Norson, who was a previous guest on the show, a great guy. Anyways, again, you're connecting all these dots between my uh, various shelves in my record collection here. I love um, that. It's, I love that. It's, 
yeah, it's it's always fun. That's half the fun of of record digging is when you find something. It's like, oh, this what guy he plays on that other thing. Yeah, um, it caused my bluegrass collection to explode. Um, <laughs> but uh, this is a very like these cats on this record. A lot of them are very LA centric. So this time you recorded in LA. Is that right? Yeah. Yep, with uh, Jay Soda and uh, Palomino Sounds at his studio. And um, yeah, and kind of like Headlands, we did it in very intense segments, um, you know, over the past year or now two years, you know. Um, but that, that was... A, a good shift, I think, too, you know, to like kind of open up and play with like a new drummer, you know, Derek Wheeler um, or Derek James. Um, yeah. And I mean, Clay, all the players that like, yeah, you just mentioned Eric from Fruit Bass and Dan Horn back again um, on the pedal steel. It was just, it was a really fun, it was such a fun record to make. Yeah. Pre-COVID, you know. <laughs> yeah. Pre-COVID, obviously. Um, yeah, but most things were, were a lot more fun pre-COVID, so. Mm -hmm. Safe to say. This is normally where I'd ask about a tour, but COVID. Um, COVID. Wah, wah. But, uh, yeah. so, but, but we won't imagine that that's this this will not last forever uh will will we yeah. see you guys out on the road next year hopefully i Health mean permitting yeah uh, hopefully if the opportunity presents itself you know we'd love to do that yeah we'd love to play these songs um with the full ensemble you know you're gonna make me fly to LA or something, are you? Yeah, <laughs> that's a spirit. <laughs> yeah, I think you know a New York show is long overdue. We are from there. A lot of our close friends are there, and as soon as it's safe, I'm sure we'll be. It'll be a priority for us to do that, and hopefully some more stuff too. And yeah, New York and LA. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, New York's a little little easier for me, so <laughs> you have to come to Taos. Don't tempt me. I haven't really spent any time in the desert other than um, some brief forays to Las Vegas, uh, so which I hardly counts. But I did go hiking. Mm -hmm. Well, there. So you go. Yeah. Well, no, you should definitely check out New Mexico. I mean, it does. It's it is the land of enchantment. Yeah, um, call it that for nothing. So it, <laughs> it's, uh, it's really, yeah, it's really something. <laughs> you're, well, you're selling me on it. Uh, yeah. yeah, right. I'm giving you the hard sell. It's, a, it's a something. It's better than Oklahoma. That's just okay. <laughs> nice. Where, so well are you? Um, are you located now? And in... I'm from Virginia, oh. and I live in Virginia, uh, right okay. in between Washington D.C. and Richmond, so in a town called Fredericksburg. Wow. Okay. So yeah. Okay. New York's easier for you. New York's easier. Yeah. yeah. I think we can. Yeah. Yeah. If once there's a vaccine and everything is safe to we travel, can, we can do these eastern, <laughs> mid-Atlantic. So this is the part of the show where I ask the 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 guest 
um, about Grateful Dead, if this is a thing that matters to them, and if it is, tell me more. Uh, are they on your radar? Are they, you guys fans? Yes, uh, huge. Serious fans? Minor huge. fans? All right. Um, yeah, I would say serious fan, serious. but I, I wouldn't say lifelong fan. It really took me until really moving out here to get really deep, deep. Yeah. you know, where I want to listen to them all the time. And um, yeah, I think I was a casual, I think we were both sort I guess of more we were casual, both casual like, like into working man's dad and American beauty. And then even like upstate, even like playing with Otto, who is huge into the dead. And like, we, we got into like blue, really a heavy, heavy streak with blues for Allah, like was playing all of the time, you know, and nice. listening to that, like really deep. Um, and then for me, it was like, for Europe 72 really was like yeah. a gateway for me when I started getting into listening to shows and being, you know, more of that type of a listener where I'm aware of what year it is and that kind of thing. That was, that's a relatively recent development. I wasn't like, like into I didn't the grow up that shows. way or trade yeah. cassettes or anything like that, but um, now you don't have to, there's internet archive. So <laughs> right. I, I definitely got like to the point where that was something that I was doing as like a, a comfort ritual at, you know, definite like times during the week. In Taos, there's a radio show called Fire on the Mesa that broadcasts every Sunday. And I started tuning into that too. And they, he plays live shows. Oh, and then, so then yeah. Sundays we would just listen, listen to the Grateful Dead basically from 3 p.m. to bedtime you know for years because it is on. it's like it's very ritualistic music and that you know is still kind of like even now part of our sunday is like devoting two hours to still listening to live grateful dead shows you know nice nice yeah i had to um spend my sunday largely in the car as we were getting into the, the real country roads nearly home but still a ways right. off so it's, it's time and so i yeah. fire up a 1972 playing in the band and they <laughs> disappeared into sleep or their phones and I, <laughs> out of some new town it's so, teenage kryptonite oh my god <laughs> it's, that's uh, so funny if they had asked me why this weird music, I was like, this is what my brain looks like with sound. Yeah. But yeah. You're like, welcome, <laughs> welcome to my brain, children. Listen, yeah. understand your dad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, kid, the kids know, they just they don't get it. And they, that's someday. Yeah. They will. So what are you guys putting on uh, on Sunday afternoon? Say like uh, most recently, if you could think back to, you know, what uh, years particular shows, anything uh, that, that you've gone back, gone to recently or regularly? I mean, I'm still like, I'm still just like the seven Europe 72. That stuff is the best for me, like to hard my to ears. It's so hard to beat. I mean, obviously there are a few like outstanding US shows. Um, you know, like the Red Rocks always gets yeah, their praise, but Recently, um, what they played on Sunday on the Taos show was like, I think it was some, it was Brent Midland's birthday. So they were doing a lot of Brent stuff. So that's era. I, that's not like a go-to era for me. So I was kind of like filling Same. in some gaps in the, that 
time frame a little bit, but I, I don't recall um, a specific show or I can't remember what stuff I was listening to was from. Just, yeah. Yeah. Was, I mean, it was late. Well, I can, uh, uh, the, the previous episode, episode 73, uh, my guest and I explored Brent. He'd never really listened to the Brent era with any, you know, Right. Commitment. And so he yeah. actually went through a bunch of shows, took notes, and then came on the show and we talked a good bit about Brent. And then I played a big, wow. like, two hour mix of material, both his songs and some stuff that just featured him. So, oh, that's uh, dope. I, we have to listen I, to that. I will yeah. recommend that to you. Yeah, um, because I'm, I'm in the same boat. Like, I just I haven't delved really that hard into the Midland stuff. There's so much and and so little time, you know. I, yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't blame anybody for any any narrowness or. You know, I mean, for a lot of people, but I didn't yeah. like I said I didn't go I didn't grow up like going to shows, but a lot of people slightly older than us that's like their their Grand Midland is yeah. so essential to their like kind of experience of getting to know the dead and that's getting to know their music through recordings that hasn't been so much my experience it's always like a little bit of a jarring adjustment to that the vocal timbre and stuff it's it's different but um phenomenal player for sure, for sure. and, and uh, yeah good song i mean built to last i really enjoy too and mainly for a lot of his contributions so here's to brent under yeah. <laughs> some member Indeed. yeah for sure um and you jumped right on that uh Warlocks. When I mentioned their version of Early Morning Rain, have you guys done any uh, dug into that '60s, the the early early stuff? No, that's another knowledge gap for me. Like I know it's there. Like I filed upstairs. Yeah, yeah. and obviously I listen to all the Warlocks stuff that's available to hear, and I dig it. But then I haven't gone to like the um, you know, again, very difficult to pronounce. Like the Oxa record yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I pronounce it in yeah. different ways so. right yeah and it's just like i don't know i get so much out of even just repeat listenings from even like mars hotel i would take you know like um blues for all also just such an anomaly in their in their um trajectory and it's such a dope record so so i know i'll get into the earlier stuff i guess it's just a matter of time you know what i mean and yeah well, all right I'll throw a few nuggets into the uh, the mix after this interview with them. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I would love that. The thing about them is that over 30 years, they were probably about 15 different bands. Yes. 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 And even then, like the, the Dylan covers, I mean, yeah. love. And I love like most of their interpretations of like, yeah, yeah, they're so wildly. I, I just think, yeah, definitely one of the utmost important of of like obviously rock bands way too narrow, you know, uh, to describe them. Like they're just like twenty, like like composers, you know. Yeah, I mean they're deeply influential, but also a uh, crucible wherein all of these yeah vast influences came together yeah absolutely this has been fun i want to thank you guys for thank talking you with for me thanks. having us yeah yes. i'm gonna 
Yeah, no, this is, the pleasure's all mine. I'm excited to hear the new album and I will be sure to tell everybody where they can find it after the after we're done chatting here. Um, but yeah, thank, thank you. you. So thank you so much. That was fun. It was one of those that wandered on a good bit further after I hit stop. They were very cool to chat with, as you could hear. So I'll remind you that their new album, Dropout City, comes out on August 21st, and you can find it at trummers.bandcamp.com. Pre-order it now, and there are three singles that you can hear today. One of those is entitled Late Arriver, which I'm going to play for you right now. This is Trummers. Enjoy.
Yeah, see? Great, right? Trummers, T-R-U-M-M-O-R-S dot bandcamp dot com. The album is Dropout City. Please check it out. Now, I've got some Grateful Dead lined up for y'all. More than that, after a couple 1966 cuts, I've got some new writers of the Purple Sage in this mix. It is 1970s new writers with Jerry on pedal steel and Mickey on the drums. I'd classify a couple of these as uh, classic new writers cuts and a couple of them as real treats. Certainly there are treats to hear Jerry on pedal steel. So yeah, dig those. Then after that, we flash forward to 1974 for some serious jams. You like jams, don't you? Listen for the Slipknot teases on the other one. Okay, that's all the spoilers and nonsense for today. I hope you've enjoyed so far, and I hope you dig what is to follow. If you do, please be sure to leave a review and a rating over on Apple Podcasts, if that's your thing. It'll help other folks find the show. Until next time, be well.
the Glendale train this morning at half past nine. Somebody robbed the Glendale train, and I swear that I ain't lying. They made clean off with 16 G's and left two men lying cold. Somebody robbed the Glendale train and they made off with the gold. Now Charlie Jones was the engineer. He had 20 years on the line. He kissed his wife at the station gate this morning at 6.35. Now everything went fine till a half past nine when Charlie looked up and he saw there was men on horses, men with guns, and no sign of the law. And somebody robbed the Glendale train this morning at half past nine. Somebody robbed the Glendale train, I swear, I ain't lying. They made clean up with a 16 G's and left you in lying cold. Somebody robbed the Glendale train.
Oh, 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 
later divorcee in New York City Well I had to put up with some kind of advice The lady she covered me in roses Well she blew my nose Dead she blew my mind It's a home It's a woman Give it, give it, give it A honky-tonk
Oh 